Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with my colleague, Todd Simmons, to discuss how boards, as overseers of corporate strategy and risk management, would be remiss not to remain up to date on evolving global and domestic tax regulations that may have significant impact on decision-making at the board level. But first, a bit about Todd. He is BDO's National Managing Partner of Tax Risk Management. And as the risk management partner, he's responsible for managing tax risk issues for the firm, including tax return prepare issues, client-related practice issues, and reportable transactions consulting. In addition, Todd oversees the tax practices, tax controversy, and procedure practice, managing tax controversies and addressing questions on various procedures. So Todd also serves as the leader of our tax policy and legislation practice, advising clients of the potential for legislative activity and the impact of changes in tax law. And prior to joining our firm, Todd was a member of the tax controversy and risk management services practice at EY, and he also practiced law at White and Case LLP where he assisted in writing and in the writing and production of Michael Saltzman's IRS practice and procedure. Additionally, Todd served as legislation counsel to the U.S. Congress Joint Committee on Taxation, as an associate with Blank Rome LLP, and as a law clerk to U.S. Tax Court Judge Joel Gerber. So Todd, with those credentials, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Amy. All right. Well, we're going to dive in pretty quickly today on several items that I guess have maybe start installed and are still looming out there, um, you know, and and have folks standing at attention waiting for things to drop. So maybe you can catch us up on the status of legislative activity since last year, because that's stuff we can actually talk about. <laughs> and, and I think I think you put it very very well. It's it's the stops and starts. I think that most businesses, most taxpayers expected that there would be a robust tax bill last year. It just came to a screeching halt. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, but I think that the biggest reason is is maybe misunderstanding some of the views and, and, and positions of some moderate Senate Democrats. These folks are critical to passing anything. And in the 50-50 Senate that we have now, you can't lose one Democratic senator. And so what we saw was really the impact that just one could have on moving things forward. Um, you know, and so... As we got there thinking the Build Back Better Act would, would be enacted, we, we turned the page into 2022, no Build Back Better Act. Um, and then other priorities started to surface. We started seeing other domestic priorities. The voting rights uh, was on the table. That didn't go anywhere. You know, again, still not necessarily taking the temperature correctly of, of members um, or, or getting bills passed halfway. That was shelved. And now we have international priorities. So we really are in a situation, I think, now where um, the Build Back Better Act, I think, as that particular Senate Democrat had indicated, is dead. Um, and it's time for businesses to start thinking 
about what's next. All right. Well, that's pretty much my next question. So <laughs> is, I guess, is there a chance that we'll see the tax legislation pick up steam this year? There's always a chance if, if the climate is right. Um, the problem I think we have, the biggest problem is that the calendar pages keep turning. And, you know, so as the days go on, the chances for us really seeing meaningful tax legislation are dwindling by the day exponentially as each page turns. Um, midterm elections are around the corner and we're starting to see more discussion about midterms. We're starting to see shiny objects being floated. For example, student loans are out there. That's something the administration's coming out with, I think with an eye toward midterms. We haven't heard much about tax policy. Um, corporate tax policy and business tax policy is critical to businesses, but it's not to voters necessarily. And so those kinds of issues aren't going to bring people out in midterms like individual tax policy will, and we know where that is right now. Um, so again, as we get closer to midterms, um, it, it becomes an issue. I also think um, we're going to have the same problem getting some of the Democrats in line that we had last year, perhaps even more so. Now we know what our issue is in the Senate, one or two moderate Senate Democrats, but the House also has a group of folks that would expect, for example, the state and local tax deduction to be on the table where they won't support a bill. Um, they want some relief in that space. Um, and so we really have to see both senators and House members of the president's party wooed and getting in line, and that's just becoming more and more difficult. So maybe we should talk about the, the 2022 administration's budget proposal or the, the green book, as it were, and some of the, the factions in that. So remember, this is President Biden's or his administration's second green book. We got one last year, yep. uh, which is always sort of the beginning of the discussion. So it's sort of their wish list. And, and oftentimes we say on the Hill, you know, they sort of throw against the wall what they can, see if it sticks. Um, so we see some of the same things. And some some pulling back a little bit, some tweaking. And I think when the Green Book's approached, it's also approached in the sense of, okay, we know what absolutely won't go anywhere, but we also know what we as an administration have to put in there, even if we know it has no chance. Mm -hmm. But there's some things we just have to put in the Green Book. And then there might be some new priorities that they might develop over, over the year. Um, one of the big issues is the corporate tax rate. Now, we know from the Jobs Act in 2017, the corporate rate went from 35 down to 21. It was probably the most significant piece out of that bill. And one other thing to keep in mind, and this is not something I think taxpayers really follow, um, is that most of the Jobs Act from 17 expires in 2025 or 26. Why is that? It's because to get that bill to pass Congress without needing two, uh, 60 senators, which you almost never have nowadays, they had to limit the bill's duration to within the 10-year budget window mm -hmm. to get that to go through 51 senators. Well, that means that bill expires. It has a shelf life. There were a couple of permanent provisions. One is the corporate rate going to 21%. There's also another alimony provision um, and the corporate AMT repeal. These are permanent, so they outlive the expiration of the bill. So the current administration would like to see that rate go up a bit, not back to 35. But I think what they know is that, that that does require legislation. It's not going to spring back in 2026. So it takes legislation. 
they're going out with 28. That's what they've been going out with at 28%. So up from 21 to 28%. We heard, for, for example, from Senator Manchin of West Virginia that if, if things are still where, where they were, 25 could be something he could live with. But again, it's the green book. So it's the administration's proposal. So they're going to go out with 28, but they know they're not going to get 28%. If there's actually tax legislation, 25 is probably the best they're going to get you know, in an increase. So that's the first thing you can see. That's, that's I think, the first revenue item in mm -hmm. the green book. And that, I think, um, corporations really have to take notice of, that it is still in the sights of the administration for the House Democrats. And for the Senate, when if they hold their nose and do it, they're not all on board there. So that's a place to look. I think. Um, just as an aside, the individual rates also would go up under their proposal as well. Um, and so uh, there, there also be increases to the long-term capital gains and some minimum tax. But they all go hand in hand as a package. We see all those: the corporate rate and the individual rates sort of going together. All as part of, uh, of it's both policy. You know, the, the Democrats, I think, really believe that there should be more taxation there. Mm -hmm. And you see that with the OECD. They want minimum tax out of corporations as well. But it's also revenue. So, you know, it also brings money in. Um, like kind exchanges could be limited. The deferral that's, that's there could also be limited. There also be some international related changes, not my particular area. But I can tell you that there are some policy issues that do need to be addressed in some of the new international tax provisions we got in the Jobs Act. Mm -hmm. For example, that what was then the new beat, base erosion, anti-abuse tax, um, which imposes an additional tax on corporations with substantial gross receipts that make certain uh, deductible payments to farm-related parties. Um, the Green Book would replace beat, even though it's brand new, with um, an undertaxed profits rule as described in the OECD's Pillar 2. Pillar 2 talks about a minimum tax of 15%. So here you start to see the US trying to get in line now. Now, right now, the OECD does not have unanimous agreement in, I think, in Europe. There was a couple of states that did not approve it in, in their recent vote. So they still have some work to do to get unanimous consent for that. But any changes that this organization wants needs each country to get on board. And then we would have to enact legislation to follow that. We would have to do something here in the United States. Um, a new general business credit of 10% uh, of eligible expenses paid or incurred in onshoring jobs back into the U.S. It's also in the Green Book. Just again, part of the administration's hope and, and policy of trying to bring more work and more jobs back here. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the Green Book would also reduce some of the tax benefits for those companies that move jobs outside the U.S. They would cut and reduce some of the expenses when you offshore some of these jobs. So again, really consistent with the administration's view on keeping things here in the United States. Um, if we, you know, and I think if we do see something um, coming out of there, international has to take a bit of front stage there because of some of the policy problems that were perceived trying to go back into where the OECD's mind is right now. Mm -hmm. There, it's not even so much a question of revenue or fairness. It's just a question of trying to make sure that we, we can meet what they're sort of looking for countries to, to meet right now. And, and as the United States, perhaps take the lead in trying to do. So if I'm sitting on a board of a company and I 
I'm trying to guess what all of this means for, you know, the strategic plan I'm supposed to be overseeing, the, the business aspects of any sort of transactional things I'm considering for the future. What am I looking for from whether it's my, my tax department internally, whether it's our advisors that advise the board on tax matters, whether it's just, you know, contemplating future business opportunities. What is it that a board should be thinking and asking about? Well, the first thing is to keep checking on status of legislative activity. Is the the question we get all the time, is it going to happen? What's going to happen? When's it going to happen? And the answer continues to be, we don't know. And as, as we started talking about in the beginning is, just have to wait and see. And, and as we get closer to midterms, it becomes less likely. Talk about a scenario there. Now, of course, if um, corporate tax department should know that, they should be watching and fine, but they call us and we give them really much of the, the um, detail about what's going on on the Hill. Yep. And, and I would tell them, look, right now, we don't even have a bill and it's May. And in the summer, not much happens. They go out for August, they come back, they're going out for campaigning. And this year in particular is going to be some robust campaigning. I just don't see a window here. Mm-hmm. And if that's right, if I'm correct in my my view here, we're going to have midterms. Um, the, those that read tea leaves will tell you that we might see a change in one or two houses. If that happens, Amy, we're not going to see any tax legislation mm-hmm. because almost nothing could get through Congress in my mind, unless it was actually an emergency. And so if that's the case, we know we have at least two more years with nothing. Um, if, if the only scenario I can see where the things we've just talked about could even be in play would be either things start percolating right now, where they start to talk about a bill and they start to get some priorities and can win over some undecideds in the Democratic side and get it moved through. Or there's no change in the House and Senate makeup in the in, in the midterms, and there becomes a new opportunity. So maybe switching gears a little bit. So one of the things that I think you know I wanted to kind of touch on is the operational challenges of the IRS. And I know I, I've heard you speak on this before, and I and I think it's important to kind of convey. Um, I guess any light at the end of that tunnel. Just got off a call with a client today. Um, who tried to file a simple election, which in a regular day should only take a few months to get processed. Not only was it not processed, but the IRS mishandled the account and and did something else that was not even asked for with the account. Refunds, that's another huge issue. And this is is probably what we're getting most calls from clients on, corporations, um, individuals, whoever it is, where's my refund? And for businesses, for example, they could be looking for overpayments on returns they filed. Oftentimes, they'll move them to the next period, but they still want to see those moved. There could be carrybacks, net operating loss carrybacks. We're still seeing a lot of activity there from the CARES Act and COVID hangover that we're still seeing losses that were carried back and you're waiting for refunds. The messaging there is processing is a mess right now at the IRS in a number of ways. Um, Refund delays are the thing that I think our clients see the most of because mm-hmm. that hits them right away. They want their money back. Right. They want their credits. They want something. They want to know that the IRS has at least gotten their return or their claim and that they're handling it, taking a very long time. Um, 
staffing issues are a huge issue. And then that, of course, bleeds over into all the other processing delays that we're seeing. Um, we're also seeing issues in, in answering taxpayers' communications, or if a taxpayer um, gets a communication from the service and responds, you can't always be sure it's going to be looked at or it's going to go into the right place. Now, what we tell folks, of course, is make sure whatever you send to any tax authority is sent by certified mail, return receipt requested if you'd like. The most important thing is you have that certified slip you can get back from the counter, stamped, and a tracking number, or you send it FedEx or, or UPS, you can use overnight or two day in either of those cases. So you have proof you sent it. But we're thinking these things go into the IRS, and, and I wouldn't guarantee that they're not lost. Um, we're still hearing business returns. Millions of returns are still not processed from 19, maybe 2020. Refund claims, you, 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 you're sure they're getting at the end of the pile because the, the service is going to process first returns, original returns first. And so refund claims and credits and carrybacks I talked about, not sure uh, where they are in the process. Um, but this is going to this is continuing to have an adverse impact on the things our clients need. And going back to what what are boards looking for when they want to go back and want to understand um, are our taxes in order? Are things current with the service and other tax authorities? States don't seem to be having these problems. We're not hearing that as much. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the service, I think the message back would be, you know, as long as we've done our our things on our end timely and we have proof of it. We can certainly check and see that things are in or being processed, but you got to be real patient. It's taking a long time. And that, that's our messaging to them, is to bear with us. So maybe I'll just ask you one last kind of crystal ball question. I know you've given us a lot of food for thought in terms of the po political environment that we're encountering, but what are some of maybe the, the bigger pressing items internationally? I know we talked about the global tax. So I just I'd just love to get your thoughts on some of the maybe the the bigger business ramifications that, that might mean for companies that are operating and on a global scale. Well, I, I, first I'm going to go back to OECD. Everybody watches the OECD. What are they doing? There's pillar one and pillar two. And like I said I'm talking about pillar two because that really could impact U.S. domestic legislation. But yeah. what what are they doing? Where where's their mind? Um, can we get consensus to make some kind of changes there? And so I think that's Watching their activity is, is always worthwhile. Secondly, is, is what's, our, what's our response to their action or to their will, to the, to the collective will of the OECD? What, what are we going to, um, to do to, to play ball, to, to cooperate? Um, you know, we still have, we have so many clients with international activities. And, and so um, it becomes a question of, you know, how, what do we have to think about in, in their activities? in terms of tax policy, the tax side, you know, are we capturing everything the right way? Is everything, are you set up the right way for you? Thinking about clients that are expanding because we sometimes don't know about it until right. it's a little later than we should when our clients are going into new countries or they're, they're doing business with other countries. Tell us as early as you can so we can work with you, come up with the right structure, get the right people on the team to give you the best advice on that path forward as you expand. With, with things so you know remote now, and, and of course you've got the, the supply chain problem on the other end, but really with, with um, doing business is, is really all global now, if you think about it. Um, just bring your advisors in so we can make sure you are paying the tax you should be paying or taking advantage of things you should be taking advantage of that are out there to take advantage of um, and setting things up the right way. Bring us in. Does it benefit the board 
to hear directly from the tax folks more often in this regard? I think so. Tax is, um, is a huge part of a business. And I think, I think businesses are, are, more, are better at that now. Well, they weren't always. But you're, you're, you're vice president of tax, your tax director, whoever it is that, that leads your tax uh, function should have a seat at the table for a host of reasons. One is to keep the board informed of, of what's going on. You should know that. You should know what's going on with tax. I think secondly, though, is um, tax should be a part of transactional planning. You need to understand the implications, domestic, international, state, and local, what's going to happen. It doesn't happen a lot, but there are those times when, we, when, when clients will do something and they come to us just a little bit late, or they bring their tax folks in a little bit late, where some tweaking could have been done. The discussion. They should be, you know, even, even in things that are not transactional, operational, HR, um, retirement planning, all of these things, tax should at least be given a chance. Weigh in. I think this is such an interesting time because, you know, and obviously that was a leading question because I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. Of course, of course, tax needs a seat at the table, but but it becomes becomes a prioritization thing at the board agenda level, right? So, it, but if you're contemplating significant activities in any any sort of area, you you absolutely have to understand the tax implications of that. Um, so no, no best way to do it better than to hold yourself accountable by getting it onto a board agenda and really making sure that whatever is being considered has that specific angle tied into it. I think in 2022, it is the responsibility of a board of directors to be very aware of what tax has to say about the things that are going on at the business. Well said, well said. Well, Thank you very much for spending your time with us today. And we will uh, enjoy more podcast episodes with Todd and his team as we find out more what's going to happen on the legislative front. So stay tuned. I think 2022 and 2023 will, or 24 will be very wild rides in terms of how the political environment may help to shape what's going on in the, in the tax world. So thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. And thank you to our audience. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.